Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to episode number 39 of Malcast. Tonight, we are uh, back with internet. We are no longer operating the entire podcast off of my hotspot, which means no more screen freezing and no more dropping. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Anyway. Unless the CIA tries to shut us down or something. Yes. However, <laughs> we are talking about our least controversial topic for at least 14 days. Um <laughs> And that is movies. So we're going to be talking tonight about how COVID has changed the entertainment industry. Um, namely, how has it changed the box office? How has uh, the rise of streaming, which you know has been gradually growing over the last few years, but really took off during COVID, how has that changed the way that we consume content? And uh, for a few select actors, how, how they get paid? Um, to break that down with me tonight, we have Jessica Redmond. Welcome back. Thanks. <laughs> um, so before we get started tonight, if uh, you if you're on Twitch, make sure you follow. If you like our content, and uh, you know, put some stuff in the chat. We'll get through to it throughout. Same on YouTube. Put some stuff in the chat. Uh, we'll read it throughout. And if you like our content, subscribe and definitely share because it helps a ton. So with that shameless shilling out of the way. <laughs> Let's uh, let's jump into this with our first story today. Let's uh, whoops, that's stopping video. That is not screen sharing. <laughs> I am absolutely screwing up screen sharing left and right. All right, there we go. So our first story: Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney because apparently her contract in her contract she only gets paid for box office sales. However, Disney released um black widow along in theaters and on disney plus simultaneously so she's not getting paid for any of the millions of people who are watching it at home because you know as we'll see in a little bit disney plus has got has gained over 100 million subscribers in the last year so that's 100 million people potentially that could be seeing it in box office but instead are watching it at home or could be watching it at home so she is suing disney um, and she's actually not the only one. There's a couple others. I can't, uh, oh, what's your face from Cruella DeVille? Oh, Emma Stone. Yeah. Emma Stone. She's, I think she's suing Disney now too. Um, so this is apparently ramp, uh, ramping up. So Jess, I want to get into this first topic by saying, what do you think about, all these movies going straight to streaming now. Like we're not in the like in the depth of the pandemic. Movie theaters aren't shut down. They can release two movies, but it seems like entertainment companies are much happier to just keep, obviously, not unsurprisingly, to keep all the sales for themselves instead of letting movie theaters take a cut. So, how do you think this is? You know, is this going to continue? Is this going to? How is this going to change the industry, if at all? Yeah. Well. I can't say I'm fully surprised by it because like you said, even before COVID streaming was really taking off and I mean, why not watch something whenever you want and have a wide variety available to you at any time? 
why not do that instead of have to go to a red box or go to a theater or something? You can just do it in your home, which obviously the new trend is just doing everything from home. It's more convenient. Mm-hmm. You can do it on your own time, that kind of thing. So, like, I'm not surprised, but at the same time, um, well, one, I think it's definitely not fair that these actors aren't getting paid based off like the Disney Plus stuff because right now Black Widow is still on Disney Plus as premiere access only, which means you're already paying extra for your Disney Plus subscription so that way you can see it. So obviously they're already making a little bit of extra money on the, off the top. There's no reason that they shouldn't get a share in that. And I'm sure that they have, you know, data that can tell you how many people are watching specifically Black Widow or whatever, and they could probably figure something out, but they're too lazy to do that. So that's just, you know, that that's clearly just them being greedy on that end of the deal. Um, and then on the other hand, I think that it's sad and not the best marketing tactic to release them on stream and in the theater at the same time. Um, it's not great marketing because I know like with me where, you know, I'm cheap and don't have the premiere access. Like one of the things I look forward to is I go to Disney plus to see if it's off of premiere access yet. And so it keeps me going back to it and keeps me interested. And then of course I'll settle for watching something else. And so there's that kind of anticipation, but if it's just released right away, then it's like, Oh yeah, now everything's just at my fingertips again. You know, what's, what's the difference? So why I don't get why they wouldn't push for those extra sales in theaters and wait even just another week or something to to put it on stream because they have that opportunity. And then I, it's just sad because going to the theater isn't. Oh, okay. We lost Jess. So my internet's fine. Just so we're clear. My internet's absolutely fine. Jess dropped. <laughs> All right, let me uh, let me stop sharing that real quick. See if we can uh, hop in Discord and get Jess back. Hey, Jess. Okay, there we go. Oh, my back. Yep, okay. you're back. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Not to mention, why wouldn't you go to the theater for popcorn? So those are my initial thoughts. <laughs> right. So one, uh, you you touched on something really interesting. So you said that it was uh, you thought it was a bad marketing tactic, but then you actually kind of described why it's a good marketing tactic. And that is, so you you mentioned you keep going back to Disney Plus, see, okay, because I don't want to pay extra for this, whatever, it's going to come, it's going to come out. So I see, I think I see what you're saying in that you're going to wait to see it until it's free because you're already, well, free, you're paying for the service, but you're not going to pay extra to go see it. So maybe they're losing out on sales. But I mean, it still incentivizes people to then subscribe to their service because it's unique to their service. Um and also, like I mentioned earlier, they don't have to pay. So movie theaters take a cut off of the top of ticket sales and then remit the rest to um, to the studio. Or I think some theaters actually license the videos and, as opposed to giving them a cut of sales. Obviously, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. But either way, the studio is making more money, a, a larger share of the money coming in by sending it directly to their streaming service. Um, and then... You know, people for a variety of reasons, either they're used to not going out, they're still afraid of COVID, or they just enjoy the comfort of their own home, choose to not go out. And I think that uh, the only, at this rate, the only thing that movie theaters will have going for it is the experience. Like you mentioned, who doesn't want to go buy a bucket of overly buttered popcorn for $300? Uh, so, 
is is the is the experience enough to keep movie theaters alive? Is it going to become kind of, kind of a niche thing? Like instead of having multiple you know theaters, every town is going to have this small theater that occasionally runs, you know, Jurassic Park in 3D or whatever. Which I, I every time the movie theater does that, by the way, I go back because I'm a Jurassic Park sucker. So <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you're right, I guess, in the good marketing tactic. And that makes sense because it's the same thing with the theater. Like, if there's a movie that I kind of want to see, but I don't want to see it bad enough to pay for a movie theater ticket, I'm going to wait till it comes out on DVD or goes on Netflix or whatever. So I guess it's a similar idea anyways. Um, but in terms of, like, the experience, that's a difficult question because, honestly, it's the same thing that's happening with malls is malls are really struggling to get people to go in them because the only thing they have going for them is the experience. And not to mention people are already not shopping in store very often anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, that that whole mall is online now. So, and it's so much easier and less walking and all that stuff. So it's difficult to know if that that's going to be enough. And also, not to mention that because not as many people are going to the theaters, the theaters have to keep boosting their prices. And it's ridiculous that I know that, well, Patrick and I have, like, this Tuesday night deal. We can go to see a movie for cheap. Mm -hmm. But we went once not on a Tuesday night, and it was, like, 60 bucks between the food and the movie for us to see a movie. And it's, like, as a couple that's, you know, newlywed, we don't have that money. And so that's just going to continue to, like, convince people to not not worry about that because why not pay you know 20 bucks or whatever it is for a monthly netflix or subscription when you can watch you know whatever you want so well that's actually an interesting point because you see that a lot in dying industries they have to you know something outside of their control results in them losing customers so they have to increase prices because their overhead doesn't necessarily go down um you know this you know as as you and everyone in the audience probably knows I work for a newspaper company and you know, our subscription prices have gone through the roof because you know, we still have massive buildings. We still have to pay hundreds of reporters, dozens, you know, hundreds of support staff. We have to pay for, you know, we have massive presses that doesn't go away. Same thing with movie theaters, you know, massive buildings, huge electrical bills. I can only imagine large plots of land. They still have to pay taxes. They still have to upkeep these buildings and any movies they do come that they do manage to attract, they still have to pay licensing fees or a cut of their ticket sales back to the studio. So they're gonna you're gonna see the prices continue to go up so they can keep the doors open, and that's just gonna serve to drive more people away and into the open arms of Amazon and Disney Plus. Um, and even now with home theater technology improving, you know, no one's very few people are sitting at home with a 19 inch color screen TV and. <laughs> You know, with headphones in, trying to watch a movie, they've got. You know, we we have a we have a fifty inch TV over here. It's two hundred bucks. I remember growing up when I was a kid, a fifty inch TV would be thousands of dollars, and you can build a home theater experience for relatively cheap or comparatively cheap, to historically speaking. And you again, don't have to pay the high prices for food. Don't have to pay the high prices for tickets. And I think the only thing keeping theaters alive, not not other than the experience is that uh, these streaming services also, you know, lock these movies behind a paywall in addition to the subscription service. So you're going to pay either way. So some people are probably like, well, may as well go get the experience. Um, you take that away. If you start putting it straight to stream, um, I don't know 
if movie theaters stand a chance beyond just being a novelty anymore. Yeah. Well, and that's why there seems to be an increase, like more theaters that are getting like the reclining chairs, the heated chairs, the there's more dinner theaters, you know, where you can order dinner while you watch your movie um, or that kind of thing. And they just, you know, keep trying to add to that experience. Um, but like you said, it's hard because you can really get the same experience here. I know my great aunt and uncle, they have a big projector screen. And I was always so excited as a kid to go see that probably more excited than going in the movie theater. Um, because you're in the comfort of your home. And you know, it's, it's also also like a novel experience, because you're like, Oh, this is, you know, it doesn't feel like I'm in a place I know, but I am. And um, so it, it is hard to compete with that. And I know they're just trying to tack on to the experience. But um I think part of what it comes down to is that it takes so much to entertain people today. <laughs> so much. And it takes so much to hold their interest. And it has to be super convenient and super flexible. And it's also hard just because people don't want to go into social situations, especially after COVID. Mm -hmm. There's so many, I mean, whether they use like scared of getting COVID as an excuse, there's also just that antisocial behavior that became about because everybody was locked inside their home. And so the thought of, I mean, there's even some times where like the thought of just going to the grocery store, I'm like, oh, I don't want to deal with people. I don't want to see people, even if I'm not talking to anybody or don't know anybody. And so, you know, that mindset too is just a whole nother obstacle to get over um, on top of that, us being little goldfish with no attention span. So. <laughs> I, you just threw like, five different problems with our society <laughs> right at me one after another condition to be antisocial condition. You know, we've too many options. Yeah. You know. Wow. That's a lot to unpack. We really, really wanted to I mean, just to scratch the surface. <laughs> yeah. No, you are, you're 100% correct about every last bit there. I do. I, I will say though, when they um, introduce the, the chairs uh, the, that the theater that we have, They've got these chairs, they vibrate and they move with the movies. And like, I accidentally bought tickets for that once um, to see Hitman's Bodyguard. Great movie, by the oh. way. And uh, I wouldn't pay it. It's like double the price and they're already expensive. But I wouldn't pay for like a normal movie. But if you were to go see an, an action movie, Fast and Furious or you know Avengers, Avengers, something like that, I would definitely suggest getting those those tickets because it does add a lot to the experience. Yeah, and um, there's like those theaters that go all the way up on the ceiling and you can like watch the movie from, yeah. Well, and then the, there's also theaters have, inter have some theaters, this was coming about before COVID, not sure how they're doing with it now, but they were, uh, had beds in them. Oh my God, that um, seems dangerous. That does seem, <laughs> yeah, with that, I'm not going to touch that one with a 10 foot pole, but there's <laughs> beds. It's like, I didn't know this was a sexual movie. Oh, oh wait. <laughs> What is that sound in the back row? <laughs> Surround sound. <laughs> no, I they they would they would one hundred percent catch you with that. Though. I've been I've been <laughs> one time I was thrown out of a theater because I had a, a laser pointer. <laughs> I wasn't thrown out. I was asked to leave the theater, and I was like, I was oh, it was early teens. I think I had a la I, I had a laser pointer, and we went to go see a movie. Can't remember what it was at this point, and during in the. Uh, when they're showing all of the of the um, 
commercials or whatever beforehand, the previews beforehand, I would just kept shining it on the screen randomly because, you know, I wasn't going to do it during the movie. That, that's a dick move. But beforehand, who cares? Well, apparently somebody really, really cared because <laughs> some dude, some overweight dude in a blazer walked up to me. He's like, you need to leave. I was like, why? He's like, the laser pointer. Give it to me and leave. I was like, uh, I'll leave if you let me keep the laser pointer. <laughs> so, you know, at least if you do, if you watch stuff at home, you don't get thrown out of your own your own living room for having a laser pointer. Well, your fiance might throw things at you, but um. I mean that's true. I did. There was one time my mom and I went to a movie, and it was kind of like a drama. But we were just about to get to the end where they were gonna like find this lost girl or whatever, and all of a sudden the movie turns off, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Everybody has to go home because our pipes just broke." We're like. <laughs> We don't get to see the end of the movie. We didn't get refunded. We didn't get free popcorn or anything. They're just like, bye. I was like, oh god. Okay. I would. I would be furious. I know. still don't know how it ends. I don't remember what movie it was now, but like, that makes it difficult. <laughs> so one thing that I could see happening though is, um, so you know how Netflix and obviously Disney, but Netflix in particular, are uh, they're making their own movies, their own TV shows. What if these streaming services were to buy out movie theaters? So then they would operate them. I, I, I feel like this is actually happening. Um, maybe I read this somewhere and it's not an original idea. But uh, <laughs> someone in the chat, tell me, if, tell me if you've heard of this before. But basically, Netflix is like, yes, this is the Netflix theater. All the Netflix originals come out into this theater. And, uh, you know, all you need to to go there is you know a netflix subscription then it's like a small shirt surcharge or something like that and so that way the experience still exists but then it's subsidized by the people who actually own it uh own the the rights to the, the movies and the shows and stuff that's something that i could see um i don't know if uh if there's another future for for movie theaters because you know every industry has to adapt and overcome you know blockbuster couldn't adapt and overcome netflix so it went out of business newspapers are struggling to adapt and overcome and surprise surprise the way they're overcoming the um people losing interest in newspapers is by just leaving newspapers behind so yeah. you know movie theaters will probably have to do something similar um because there's no way that these studios are going to go back to the old status quo after they've seen how profitable these streaming services are during COVID. And, you know, with, you know, a lot of people are talking about maybe we're going to go into another lockdown or, you know, we're going to have vac you know, vaccine passports. I won't be able to go to the theater or whatever. That just adds more incentive to give your money to Disney or Netflix or Paramount apparently has one now. Um, there's another one is like Phoenix or something. I don't know what it is. There's yeah. too many. Peacock, <laughs> that's what it is. Peacock, they have the office. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. They're going to have to start thinking out of the box and thinking on a bigger scale. Um, I know that I had someone t tell me that, like, one of their friends rented out a movie theater for their kid's birthday, hmm. and it was only, like, $100. It was, it was actually pretty inexpensive, considering. Really? And, you know, th thinking of something like that, like, larger scale, like, Okay, it's one thing to go to the theater and experience the movie, but it is a whole nother like novelty to know that you have this whole theater to yourself, this giant screen and that kind of thing. So even thinking more like party style or, you know, 
making it making it more of a social experience or an interactive experience is it's probably the way they're gonna gonna have to go or you know even getting people to theater by i mean obviously not all theaters can do this but if you do like you have you bring in some actors that you know are like role playing in the lobby or they're offering autographs you know something along those lines where you have that interactive experience that you can't you literally can't get anywhere else is what yeah what they're going to have to start going to towards otherwise it's yeah you're right they're just gonna they're gonna die out if they don't adapt so but i mean at the end of the day the studios are the ones that wield all the power because even if these movie theaters create the uh, an incredible experience then the the studios can just go you know, Disney could just go, well, I don't want to release, you know, this the new Avengers movie into theaters because I can I can make more money by only doing my platform um, or direct to DVD or whatever. You know, DVDs are going away, too, I guess. But yeah, really remember, remember Blu-ray. Remember that thing existed? Yeah, that existed. was like a huge deal. I remember when we got our first Blu-ray DVD, we we're like, oh, this is so cool. Well, the whole thing is like supposed to create an interactive experience. Like you're talking about because you can pause the movie and facts come up and all kinds of stuff. And it was really cool. But everyone's like, Blu-ray is going to kill DVD. And then DVD is still king right now. Yeah. Maybe they should make movie theaters into like a Comic-Con thing. You know, because people are really big, especially like for the big hit movies like Harry Potter series. Mm -hmm. Like when those come out and opening night and everybody dresses up and that kind of thing. Like that was a big deal. And like going to opening night, I still feel like is a big deal for the really popular movies. And so like maybe they could just like mix Comic-Con with the movie theater. (laughs) That's actually a really interesting point because like... And they could probably branch out beyond just showing new movies. They could, you know, run shows and stuff from time to time, which they've started doing, like rerunning old movies or doing shows. Mm-hmm. Um, like when the new Broly movie came out for a couple of years ago for Dragon Ball, they our theater showed the uh, the original Broly movie from like two and a half, two decades ago. Um, and then, yeah, so they could. So they've got this really big building. They could take out some of the screens and theaters and stuff and turn it into maybe different shops. Maybe combine like a nerd mall <laughs> plus plus a movie theater and you could create a 360 degree nerd experience. And then ha- obviously you could have like normal movies and stuff too, not just stuff that, you know, you don't need to build a building specifically to attract me. But um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even like, I know during COVID when they couldn't get new movies that they did start playing a lot of the classics Mm -hmm. and that for people like my parents age and everything, that was a big deal. Like they, like people, my parents age don't normally really want to go to theaters to see these new movies because they're not super interested in them. Um, But when those classics came out, it's like, Oh, I have to see it in theater because they have this nostalgia of, I remember when I first saw it in theaters and then they then bring their kids there and share their experience with them and like, oh yeah, I remember this is what it was like the first time I saw it and that kind of thing. And that might get a couple more people back into theaters, kind of, you know, hitting those classics again and getting that nostalgia back in the in the theaters as well. Yeah. Well, I think we've we figured out how to save movie theaters. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually not as I, I came to this conversation expecting us to go, oh, there's nothing we can do. They're going to be gone in 10 <laughs> years. But no, I think we've come up with some actually really interesting ideas. Can we patent uh, these ideas in case somebody tries to use them and make a lot of money? <laughs> I don't know. But we, Stop to theaters. <laughs> we, should get, we should go get a loan and start, start that nerd mall theater. 
and that that would totally work. It would have to be in a big. It would have to be in a big city, but it would totally work. <laughs> Actually, you could you could probably scale that down and do it for a small city like ours as well. Probably. And now I have ideas. <laughs> James is like, I'm opening a theater. <laughs> yeah, I'm opening another business. This was a theater. Um, Despite the fact they're dying out, I think now is a good time to start. <laughs> So you wait, you wait a couple more years for you know all the you know more theaters to go out of business, and then you swoop in, you revolutionize the industry and revitalize the entire thing. Oh, there you go. Well, I mean, yeah, if they die out for ten years and you bring it back, then it'll be like a whole new idea. It's like bell-bottom jeans that are coming back. <laughs> oh gosh, I actually really or want the to mullet. Try Okay, no, mullet's disgusting. But um, I've been telling Alina this. I want to get the uh, like the seventies outfit. So the white bell bottoms. With the silk shirt, with the deep V, like no, you sound like Patrick. Shirt. He wanted to wear that to our wedding. That would have been fantastic with a giant collar and everything. Don't you think about it for your wedding? <laughs> My wedding's gonna be a mess. <laughs> There's so many different things going on. I'm coming into the Skyrim theme, okay? Oh my gosh. You gotta open the nerd mall before your wedding so they can have your wedding at the nerd mall. <laughs> It's the grand opening of uh, the wedding is the grand opening. Hey, that's not a bad way to get people there. <laughs> it's true. That's true. So the only other thing about this is, and I'm going to show, where's my screen share? Um, so it's not only movie theaters that they're cut, that uh, streaming is killing, but also cable. And this one is I'm, I'm less conflicted about because I don't really care about cable. <laughs> But uh, there, you know, since 2014, the number of people who have cut the cord on their cable, satellite, or telecom subscription, or never had a subscription at all, has more than tripled, going from 15.6 million to a projected 50.4 million this year. It's from Forbes, um, like a month and a half ago, two months ago. So, you know, all these, you know, we talk about movies, obviously, in movie theaters, but they're doing the same thing with shows. They're not going to um you know spike tv or whatever you know and as a result they're they're losing content so they're losing so they're losing um i guess you would call them subscribers customers um and so cable prices are rising too and then more people keep keep cutting cable um so i think same cycle but there's no experience with cable to save it um I think it's only a matter of time before things like cable news starts going to uh, streaming platforms as well. You know, ESPN has its own streaming platform. So really the only thing cable has is, uh, at this point, is cable news and sports. Well, sports, you know, Disney owns ESPN. Cable news can go to a streaming platform. At that point, everything is on a streaming platform. Cable has literally no advantage, no uniqueness compared to streaming. Um, and then one of the things that I always like to mention when we get when I get on this topic is uh, I, I see this text post all the time. It's like, how long do you think it's going to be before some genius just bundles all the streaming services and reinvents cable? So, yeah, this is one that I'm not nearly as conflicted about, but it's interesting to see how you know streaming is killing all of the entertainment industry, more or less, when it, at least when it comes to shows and movies. Um, and then I don't remember, do you, do you remember when we were talking about binging content back in episode like five of Malcast? Yes. Yes, I think I do. 
So, and that's one thing that we were talking about that we were actually had a complaint about streaming services was that releasing everything at once, it doesn't allow the community, like a community to develop as much around a show. Um, Cause instead of, you know, watching one episode of the walking dead, seeing Glenn fall under that pile of zombie. I don't know if you ever seen the, the walking dead. So, okay. So you don't know who this character is. Got it. No. <laughs> So uh, you see this character fall under this pile of pile of zombies, and you think, "Oh my God, this beloved character, he's gonna, he's he's dead, he's dead." And then you talk about it for the whole next week, you you and your friends, and then you come back the next week and you see, "Oh my God, he's actually alive, he got out. How did this happen?" You don't have that when you know these streaming uh, services release everything at once. I think Disney has actually helped fix that because they were releasing one uh, like The Mandalorian one week at a time, or one episode per week. Um, but that's something that I, that I was thinking about too. And, I, and then we're on, st uh, streaming, you know, so we've seen the dominance of streaming services, destroying cable, destroying the, 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 uh, box office. Are we going to see con, you know, these really tight knit communities around content start to go away as well? Um, obviously it'll still exist. They're still going to have fans. They're still going to talk, but they're going to be talking between seasons not between episodes. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I know my parents are really big into Yellowstone, I think. Uh, it's a country ranching TV series anyways, but that was on, I don't know, they were watching it on some direct TV channel. And that was their big thing, is that would be like their date night, as they get together for the next episode. And apparently they stopped making seasons, and now my parents are upset. But anyways... But yeah, it is that kind of like anticipation. And it's like I was talking about before too. It's just like that anticipation is kind of lost because you just mm. know everything's right there. So it's like, oh, well, you know, I don't need to wait for anything because, you know, yet another problem with our society. I don't need to wait for anything. It's right here. It's right at my fingertips. I, I can have it whenever I want. And it's it's just part of a, a general art experience that waiting period that anticipation that people are just losing out on a lot today and that's just really sad to think about um yeah because i think it has much broader implications than we're not gonna be able to talk about our favorite shows episode to episode week to week you know like you like you said people have short attention spans they have and, and more importantly they're impatient they know, you know, immediate satisfaction, immediate, uh, immediate gratification. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> that's, uh, I also heard the, the Michael doing laundry upstairs and that threw me off. Um, <laughs> I, I have a very short attention span, as you can tell. Goldfish. Um, yes. That's not a good sign for our society because, you know, we're talking about surface level. How's it going to affect the entertainment industry? How's it going to affect everything else? You know, um, and that is a very large, very deep philosophical question that I do not think I'm going to like the answer to as we see it unfurl over the last, over the next couple decades. Yeah. Well, and it's even kind of sad because a lot of people use culture and the arts as a talking point. Like if you're just meeting somebody, usually one of the things they'll bring up is something that's popular in society that you're into. So, you know, like Game of Thrones, when that was coming out, it was something that 
you know, you could be like, oh, do you watch Game of Thrones? Oh, yeah, I definitely watch Game of Thrones. And then you start talking about it and you build like that relationship and that bond over it. But now because everybody's at different points in the seasons and they're like, oh, wait, no, don't ruin that for me because I haven't seen that episode yet. Then all of a sudden that immediately stops the conversation. It stops that bonding. And it just it's again ruining that socialization that we just don't know how to do anymore. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of things just culminating to make us a very antisocial culture and being told that we can't leave our houses for the last year and a half has certainly <laughs> not helped or at the very least being incentivized not to. Um, oh, Hey, surprise. I'm black. What's up? Nice <laughs> to see you here. Um, that's a great face. <laughs> you put a, you put an emote in the chat. I don't know what that is, but I love that face. Um, completely lost my train of thought from there wow <laughs> james is just showing as an example of what we're talking about tonight but no that's I, that, that is that is i am a prime example so i grew up on content that i could binge on on you know instant gratification from video games from social media um and i you know there's other reasons why i have absolutely zero patience i'm an accountant it's part of the part of the territory <laughs> um but all this, you know, this this stuff certainly doesn't help. And even now, like, I can feel myself wanting to just binge shows, wanting to, and I, I, I have no, I have, I'm not willing to wait. I'm not willing to explore the possibility of that, and you know, explore that anticipation. Yeah. Well, and not to go back to our, the last episode I was with you on Monday or whenever that was, um, with the death of, however you say that word, met, met cross <laughs> meritocracy. Yes. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Not to go back to that, but again, it kind of starts with the family unit and it's because when I grew up, I was outside most, I mean, I lived in the country and so I just wanted to be outside and I didn't watch TV that much. And so that's why Personally, for me, I still get that thrill going to the theater. And, like, some of my childhood memories are going to the theater with my parents because that was a special experience that we didn't get to have very often. And it's, I mean, that is one of the benefits of streams if parents take advantage of it is that you can put on those parental controls that only let your kids watch for two hours or you know one hour a day or and you can watch what they're watching and make sure that they're you know watching appropriate content and that kind of thing so if we're gonna see streams in the future we need to take advantage of it to its full extent and that means starting from when you're young don't let your kids as you know four-year-olds binge my little pony or whatever they're watching like that is a bad habit to start. And unfortunately, I think that's a lot of what's happening today. And that's not, I mean, that's contributing to the short attention span is that, I mean, parents are busy, they're working, they're, they're trying to, you know, deal with all of the stuff going on in life. And it's so easy to just pop your kid down in front of a tablet and, you know, have them watch a movie or watch a movie while you're at work or, you know, that kind of thing. And, it's just not healthy. And so there need to be those limits on screen time. And we need to start from a young age of saying, you know what, this is an experience. And this is, this is something that you get as a treat. It's not a normal experience to watch, you know, two hours of a movie. 
No, that is a treat for you. You get to do that as a reward rather than just an everyday thing. And I think that's what was lost, especially during COVID, is that instead of treating ourselves and being like, oh, well, you know, I'll binge a few episodes of my favorite season because I'm a little depressed or something. We had that for a whole year. So we're like, oh, well, I'm really depressed a whole year and I'm stuck at home. So I'm just going to binge this. So we're we're lacking that self-discipline. And I think a lot, if we get that back, we can get back a lot of what we're losing with, you know, that experience, that family experience, that socialization, that might help theaters get back into it, that kind of thing. Well, same thing with like video games. I mean, video games at a certain point just become not fun if you play them all the time. They become work at a certain point or you just do it because you don't know what else to do. But I mean, you're you're hit, you're killing it tonight with you know, <laughs> societal issues. Parents are letting media, social media, TV media, uh, you know, they're letting other people raise their kids. They're not being involved. You know, there was a point in time when I was younger, I would, I played video games all the time. I was, uh, <clears throat> I watched TV all the time, but then one time I got grounded. Um, cause I was being a little shit. I did completely, I completely <laughs> deserved it. Um, I'm not gonna say what I did, but I completely deserved it. <laughs> I'm glad you admit that. <laughs> and, uh, so I was down, I could only do two hours of TV a day. I could choose what I wanted to watch. And uh, I, I'm not sure I want to share what I, what I chose to watch, but I'm going to. <laughs> I chose to watch one episode of Hannah Montana, one episode of Wizards of Waverly Place, and two episodes of George Lopez every day. <laughs> hey, um, that's good variety. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but in that between time, I couldn't play. And I was completely banned from video games. I couldn't play video games. I couldn't, I couldn't watch TV. I could do, I could read or I could go outside. And that's what really transitioned me from, I, I think, being super antisocial, preferring to sit inside all day to actually interacting with people. And I still didn't really like interacting with people. So more, <laughs> more importantly, it got me to read. It got me to learn things outside of just school. And, um, you know, you, you, you need to have that kind of discipline with your kids. You need to have that interaction with your kids. You need to be there for them. Not helicopter, for the love of God. I know people <laughs> who have had helicopter parents, and they are the they are more dysfunctional than people who let social media raise their kids. I'm sorry, but helicopter parenting is horrendous. Yeah. Um, but you need to be involved, basically. And a lot of parents just aren't for a variety of reasons. Either they're you know not interested because they didn't want a kid in the first place, or they're more interested in their own lives, or, you know, too busy with work, because, you know, in another issue, wages have stagnated over the last 40 years, so now both parents have to work. You can't have someone at home, you know, focusing on raising kids, because then you're going to never be able to pay bills. And yeah. so... Well, and also just explore the variety of art forms that there are like if you're gonna let your kid indulge in the storytelling of video games or of movies or tv shows or something then that's fine but give them the, the experience of going to the theater or give them the experience of going to a live theater show where it's the same kind Definitely. of thing but in person because it's a whole different thing and even if it seems like the same premise where yeah you're watching a, a made-up story play it play itself out and you know you're there stare to observe the different settings that they're in are going to trigger their brains differently and force them to think differently. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we need to do is we just need to think. We need to think about, you know, 
think about why do I go to the movie theater? You know, why why do I want to go to the movie theater? And granted, for me, a lot of the time, it's like, I just want the movie theater popcorn. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but, but like, um, you know, and giving just, I think just a variety is even so much better than just the variety you can get from watching different movies on a stream like Netflix or something. Like, yeah, I can get a, a drama and a comedy and a romance and all that kind of stuff. Sure, that's all on the stream, but it's the same thing. I'm looking at a screen and I'm at home sitting in my bed. You know, there, it, there's nothing changing. There's nothing stimulating my brain. And so even just, again, watching it in a different place, doing the, like, I know in summers they have a lot of, like, the movie in the park or whatever. Even that, it's just great to be out in a different setting. And again, even if you're not talking to people, it's still a social setting. It's good for them. Right. And I don't want to disparage video games and stuff because obviously we do a ton of video game content here at Night Mountain Media. I play video games all all the time. Um you know, and there's also there's there's times to watch TV by yourself. There's time, but you're right. You, there needs to be a social aspect. Um, going out and the change of scenery. You touched on that is like I think even more important than just the social aspect in and of itself. Like I can sit here and now they've got like these uh, watching part watch parties or whatever on netflix and stuff you you can you know hop in a chat with your friends and you can all watch the show together um but that's nowhere near the experience of hey we're all gonna head over to my friend's place we're gonna put on lord of the rings we're gonna watch lord of the rings have you know get some pizza and just have a good time and um yeah i think there corporations exist these corporations specifically the streaming streaming uh streaming services to not necessarily deliver experience but to occupy your time. Whereas things like malls, movie theaters, um, all these social settings, they exist to sell an experience. The experience is almost always more expensive than just something that occupies your time. But the the personal satisfaction that you get out of it, I think helps you grow as a person. And Mm -hmm. I think that... More, you know, morally, logically, psychologically, however you want to tackle this, is the aspect that I don't want to lose as these streaming services become dominant. Yeah. Well, and it creates memories. You don't want it to be the fact that your kid grows up and they remember that they watched a lot of TV as a child, but they don't have any childhood memories. Mm -hmm. Uh, As for, like... The only movies that... Like, the only time I remember sitting and watching something is when... You know, I had an experience where I was with my family at the movie theater and, you know, something funny happened with my family and, you know, now all of a sudden I remember it. Or um, I know one thing that I was really young at the time, but we used to have a movie theater that was connected to a Godfather's pizza. And so I remember you could get the pizza order to the movie theater. And that was like a big deal for me when I was younger. That was so cool. And that's an experience that I still remember, even though I was probably four years old and I barely remember it. Um... But it, it's those kind of you memories you don't want to lose. And like I said, I, there's so much today that you can just sit through life and not think and not be a part of life. And it's not going to be worth it in the end. You're going to think back and think about what did I do with my life? And you're not going to know because you won't remember. But unless you have this diverse experience and you push yourself outside of your comfort zone and you do something different and change it up every once in a while. 
Yeah, exactly. And you know, you have you have one life to live. Don't waste it just sitting at home watching other people pretend to live their lives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and speaking, actually, I was thinking about this while you're talking about streaming and everything. Is another thing I like. I don't know if you have any thoughts on it. Is that they've started streaming like live theater productions. So, mm -hmm. like when Hamilton came to Disney Plus, I know that was a big deal for a lot of people that couldn't afford to see Hamilton or whatever. I don't, what are your thoughts on that kind of thing? So, I think it's definitely necessary for theater in general. Um, particularly for something like Hamilton, because Hamilton is an amazing story, but what really, for most people, their first interaction with it is listening to the, the soundtrack. So when they, so the soundtrack gets them into it and then they want to see it in theater. Well, unless you're in New York, you're not going to go see Lin-Manuel Miranda. You're going to see whichever other actors, which is fine. You know, that's how theater works. To, you know, you're going to see different actors. But um, for these these major productions, people associate a certain sound, a certain voice with every with every song, with every character. And if you don't get that, I think that people are less likely to go see it. Um, even if a local theater were to put on Hamilton, they may not go see Hamilton because they know it's not the cast they're used to. Um but putting it on a streaming service still allows people to experience it. And well, you know, obviously the more eyes you put something in front of, the more people who are going to, who are going to watch it and maybe, maybe form interest. And the theater industry definitely needs people to take an interest in it. Um, again, and theater, I, I would never be afraid of theater being destroyed by streaming services the way that, uh, the way that movie theaters are and the way that cable has been because theater is literally 100% the experience. There's no just delivering it, you know, a time killing product. Um, and, you know, as much as video games, movies and whatnot are an art form, theater is in my opinion, a higher form of art um, that you, you truly need to be there to experience all of it. So, yeah. Well, I mean, and I tend to agree. I, and I, I get what you're saying and I agree to it to an extent. Um, for me, it's hard to see like live theater on video with the screen. Cause it's like, you know, that's not how it's meant to be seen. Mm -hmm. And you know that some people who have maybe never seen a live theater production are going to take it and be like, Oh wow. Now I've seen Hamilton and you know, my life is fulfilled that kind of thing. And it's like, well, yeah, I watched the Disney Plus version of Hamilton. But for me as a theater major, it's like that made me want to see it in person even more. Because it's like, I want to see that rotating stage. I want to see, you know, obviously the thing about movies versus live theater is movies direct you where to look. Because they can zoom in, they can zoom out, they mm -hmm. can, you know, highlight something. But live theater, you get to look at everything. And so especially as a theater major, I've learned to like watch the background characters and, you know, look at all the setting and, you know, the change in lights and just, like you said, theater, live theater is just a full on experience that you can't get anywhere else. And my fear with these live productions going on streaming services is that people won't realize that they're going to think, oh, it's just another thing I can watch on a streaming service. And that's all I need to know. Um, and they won't realize that. No. Yeah. You saw that's like watching the trailer of it. 
but it's definitely not the whole movie until you see it in person. That's the experience and that's the show that everyone loves. They're not in love with this screen version of Hamilton or whatever. And so that's my biggest fear is just that that'll draw people away from going to live theater because they won't have had that experience. Um, and also I'm wondering if the somehow these live theater productions are gonna need any money for going on the I mean I'm sure there's licensing and that kind of thing. Yeah, but there I, would have to be. Yeah, but I'm not sure how much of a profit these theater productions are making because obviously theater productions are expensive and that's one of the biggest problems with theater is that these theaters are it's hard for them to stay in business because there are so many costs and because not as many people go to the theater because again it's a social experience you have to get out of your house it is more expensive because of the experience um and so they need that money and i'm hoping that i don't know how it works with the streaming services well <laughs> so two things uh so i think theater one thing holding theater back is that it still has kind of an air of um oh how do i want to how do i want to put this um it's it's like a patrician thing you know you, you the, the high it's high society that's what mm -hmm. that's what i'm looking for um which obviously anybody can go can go to theater there's a lot of places that have local theaters we've got a theater around here that's you know, you go in, you pay whatever you think that they you just they that they deserve, and uh, so it's not it's definitely not a high society thing in a in a bad way that people that tend to think about it. Um, but also, I see where you're coming from with okay, I've seen it on stream. Now, why would I want to go see it in theater? But if you kept what's on streaming services to very specific plays, so Hamilton, for example. Um, you know, hairspray, uh, I, some others, I'm not as well versed in <laughs> theater as you obviously, but so just enough to get people interested in theater to be like, this was really cool. I would love to see something like this in person because I know that the experience is going to be better in person. I'm not going to go, probably not going to go see exactly this because I've already seen it, but maybe I'm going to go see something else. And that I think could help, could help theater, um, in the long run yeah yeah that's true and i mean it is i do think that personally i was very excited like when hamilton came on stream because like you said it is only in the big cities and obviously everyone was talking about how tickets were selling for a thousand dollars and a hundred you know a couple mm -hmm. hundred dollars and stuff and so it's like it's just not reasonable for anyone to be able to see that yet there's so much talk that it's like how can i not see this so i mean I do like that idea of making theater more accessible because it's supposed to be for everyone and it's supposed to make everyone, you know, think and that kind of thing. And so I was excited about that. Um, I also just want to mention the chat. <laughs> um, what, the, the, what surprise on Black said? Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate the compliments. Um, I'm not sure I'm the actual better half, but... Uh, so for those of those of you on the podcast, uh, Frozen Black in the Twitch chat, chat said that uh, we should honestly just have Jess host from now on instead of Pat. She's the better half. <laughs> um, Jess is a fantastic host. Uh, she obviously has a theater background, in case you haven't noticed, um, and in case you didn't watch like episode eighteen or whatever it was. Um, but yes, no, I. Uh, she doesn't argue with me as much either, which is which is which is nice. Jess and I agree on a lot of That's stuff. True. Patrick is Patrick's very combative. See, but notice, <laughs> well, notice how I 
my tactic is I'll mention all the deep talk topics, but I'm not actually going to dive into them because as soon as I get into the philosophical stuff, I start sounding like a rock. I'm just like terribly don't know what I'm doing um, and very stupid. So, well, so it's no, all no, just no. part of my tactic. <laughs> I'm going to say, so, excuse me. No one on this podcast, no one on this podcast who comes on regularly um, is an expert in most of the things that we talk about. You know, we pose these deep philosophical questions. We may not know the answer to, but, you know, we're just normal people talking about it. We're not academics. You know, Patrick has a master's degree and Drew's a doctor. But I mean, so unless we're talking, <laughs> unless we're talking about occupational therapy or political science, every other topic, we don't have an expert or, or accounting, I guess, because I'm a CPA, but we're never going to talk about accounting on the podcast. I promise you. <laughs> um, we don't have we don't have experts. We're just coming at this from how how can we as normal people? What do we what do we think? What do we you know? And I think that's uh, you know that's a conversation that I really enjoy having. Not necessarily having to have the academically correct answer. Um, but the last thing that I want to touch on tonight, as we're talking about experiences being lost because of COVID and other things amusement parks so um i'm heading down to hello milo that is a cat butt i'm <laughs> heading down to uh for those of you on the podcast um my cat just walked across the camera um florida in september to go to disney world um and they've you know they had a whole bunch of covid measures that were closed down for months and then they came back and you have you now you now have to wear masks inside you have to social distance you have to wear masks in transportation Park hopper passes don't work the way they're supposed to. You can only go to two parks a day. You have to, res you have to, in weeks ahead, like we had to submit our reservations for all of our meals a couple weeks ago. Um, so the, all of this is serving to kind of destroy the experience that amusement parks are supposed to have and deny it from, you know, and it, not, not only are kids you know, over the last year and a half, almost two years now, They've grown up living at home, only watching shows uh, on, you know, on streaming services. They can't go to school. They can't socialize properly. And now they can't even go to amusement parks. They can't live life. At, and they're, 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 they're being brought up as children, completely sheltered, completely lacking any form of proper socialization. And, you know, it, it may seem a very surface, like a surface level complaint, but taking something like Disney World or Universal away from a kid, you know, taking that experience away from them is not as detrimental as everything else that we've been talking about, <laughs> but it, it is definitely another thing to consider, I guess is, is what I have to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that just emphasizes like how much this whole COVID thing has not only like made people more antisocial, but is more is like conditioning people to be antisocial because mm -hmm. it's like yeah we're just not gonna let you do this, and I get this and I've been listening to the Daily Wire a lot and they've been talking a lot about risk aversion which I know we mentioned mm -hmm. as well and it is that kind of thing where it's like you know at some point you just need to take the risk you know and sure you want to take calculated risks but it it's a it's worth it like 
Are you never going to let your kids see the Grand Canyon because there is a risk of them running off and falling off the cliff? Yes, that's a definite risk. It could definitely happen. It's happened many times before. But that's not a reason to, to all of a sudden, like, we're never going near any canyons. We're never going to go near any water because I don't want you to drown. It's like, there has to be a little bit of trust here, people, and trust that other people are conscious of the virus. Obviously, we're all conscious of it at this point. We're going to be taking precautions. And so you just got to trust a little bit. And yeah, I I don't know. I haven't even been to an amusement park since COVID hit. So it's been a long time. I happen, to know, that, I happen to know that's false. Because yeah, we, went, we went to Adventureland last year. Oh, no, yeah. Um, yeah. Was that last year? Oh, that was God, last year, yeah. That was last year because we were living here. Or, you know, not you know, my roommates and I. Um, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Whoa, God, <I'm> just <laughs> um, But yeah, yes. so, and, I, you know, obviously I mostly just wanted to bitch about Disney bringing back the mask mandate because, you know, it's Florida. God help me. Um, it's going to be hot. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, it's going to be hot. <laughs> Mass with this beard immediately turns into a rainforest. It's, it's That's disgusting. It's not great. You got to wear a little bucket around your neck to catch all the sweat. <laughs> Pandemic was not the right time to decide to grow out a big old Viking beard. But uh, here I am continuing to make life choices. But, yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I mean, you know, every, you know, when you need to you need to take risks when it comes to experiences you can't you can't live a sheltered life you know sky if you want to go if you want to experience skydiving experience skydiving there's a chance the pair you know both parachutes won't work there's a chance that you're you know you're gonna die plain plain and simple um you know i'm into i'm into racing so i just got my car back tonight um with the new suspension so i can go you know i'm gonna start drift i can start racing and drift and there's a chance that, you know, especially with tandem drifting, for example, which people drift really close next to each other in a race, um, that we're going to crash or that I'm going to flip my car in a drift and I'm going to die or my engine's going to explode. But you can't let, as long as you're being smart about it, because then that's the thing, you can't be stupid. <laughs> um, that's how you get yourself hurt or killed um, or others, God forbid. But you can't let you can't let fear dictate your life because then you're not actually alive. Mm -hmm. You're breathing living flesh, but you as a human are not alive. You're not experiencing the gift of life on this earth. And that I think is the most tragic thing that you as a human could do um, to yourself is to not allow yourself to live this one life that you've been given. Yeah. So, not to mention, just going back to basic human nature, survival is based on risk. Like, you have to take the risk. I mean, if hunters didn't take the risk of being eaten by their, like, by whatever they're hunting, I, well, they would starve. They don't have any other option unless they're going to eat grass, which they would still die of malnutrition. So, I mean, our, our basic human instinct is to take that risk. And it's scary that we're trying to fight that instinct because it's not right. It's there for a reason. I completely agree. But, but all right. So I think we're coming up on our hour. <laughs> I so, get off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jess. This has been very fun talking about this. And I love how you hit on like all of these super deep points. <laughs> um, so I want all, everyone watching the stream and listening to this podcast, I want you to go home. I want you to write a five-page essay on all the points <laughs> that Jess brought up. I want you to email it in to uh, nightmomedia.gmail.com. 
I'll be and, grading uh, them. <laughs> yes, we will be grading them. Um, don't actually do that, but I mean, if you did, I would read it. So, yeah, I would you. mention on the podcast. <laughs> yes, absolutely. As long as it's PG. Um, <laughs> thank you guys for watching. If you like tonight's show or any of our shows, please uh, share it on social media. Again, don't really have much. Don't really have a marketing budget, so uh, you guys sharing makes means the world to us. Um, follow us on Twitch. We're gonna be back on Sunday with our uh, Yu-Gi-Oh draft mode. We'll be back after that on Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday um, with different shows, as well as Travis streaming every single day. And uh, we've got a new draft mode series coming out. Um, is it draft mode? Yes, yeah, draft mode. Pokemon draft mode comes out this Tuesday. So check all of that out. We have a lot of stuff going on. Thank you guys for watching, and uh, we'll see you on Sunday.